Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, by her own admission, Vicky O'Toole's first experience of the business world involved a steep learning curve. However, having continued to build a family business and navigating a successful exit, Vicky is now mentoring the next generation of female entrepreneurs. But Vicky, you might start the interview by providing us with an insight into the early part of your own career. Good morning, Carl. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Carl, my career was a little bit topsy-turvy. It was actually completely opposite to how most people do it. I studied law for a year when I finished school, and I'm not sure if law loved me or, or didn't love me or I didn't love it, but I gave that up after one year. My mother shipped me off to Paris to au pair, came back, and I was doing interviews for an AIB job when I met my husband-to-be. It was a whirlwind romance, married after nine months, and... You know, long story short, I had five beautiful children, uh, so very happy to stay at home. And then in 2001 is really when I started my career. Um, My husband became unwell and I ended up going into the business and he ended up coming home to mind the children. So talk to us about the business. Provide us with an insight into the scale of the company back in 2001. So, first of all, JJ2 Limited, and I'm, I was so proud to own and manage JJ2 Limited for 18 years. It is and always will be Ireland's oldest packaging company, established in 1914. So, uh, when I went in, we I went in at a really tough time, Carl. And in fact, when I think about back over the years, I really pulled the short straw because I was there for the plastic bag packs. That was my introduction to the company when we lost about 40% of our turnover. I was also there for the reception. I was also there for COVID and everything in between. But when I arrived, uh, really, it was dismal. Um, Dublin had closed. My my husband had, a, you know, that they had an entity up in Dublin. They had to close that. Things were going really, really badly. Um, the company was hemorrhaging um, a lot of money at the time. There was huge changes. You couldn't recognise the company actually from year on year. I mean, we reinvented ourselves so many times. So, for instance, when I left the company in December, we had, you know, I introduced a studio. So we graphic designers working within the company, which we didn't have when I started. And, you know, I suppose we were the best creative packaging designers in the country when I left. And what advice do you have for companies wishing to instill a culture of innovation within their organisations? Well, it's not an easy thing to start with because we're all so bogged down our day to day and just getting through the day and you know making sure that our customers are happier, whatever we're, we're doing. That you know we're we're kind of getting through the week and and getting to the end of the month. And but I think actually you know we always try to improve ourselves, always looking around to see what's happening and how we can better ourselves. But Funny, during COVID, um, just when we thought that we were doing a good job, I had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to think, look at our process. And we really changed everything at that time. We changed the way we were doing things. We changed our terms and conditions. Um, I learned so much about the four C's at that time. Colleagues, uh, you know, customers, company, children. Not all good, let me tell you. So, it's, um, you know, it, it, sometimes you do need something really bad to happen to really, really, really look into how you're doing things. It gives you time to stop and to pause. COVID certainly did. And to see how we can improve things. But I don't think we're perfect. We never, we were new, we were never perfect, even after 109 years. 
we're learning every day. I think most people do, don't they? I mean, it's it's you know, if you think you know it all, I mean, you're probably going to end up having a problem, you know. That is for sure. And Vicky, what prompted you then to take the decision to sell JJ O'Toole? So there were a couple of factors. Um, you know, since the loss of my husband 12 years ago, the, I suppose, it became a little bit more acute as to, you know, what I was going to do with the company. I have five children. Uh, the One of my children, the eldest son, JJ, perfect name actually for the company, he was, I suppose, really the only one that showed a lot of interest in the company. So it was presumed that he would be the fourth generation and would run the company, you know, with me and after me. But uh, so we kind of had a trial run with him. And thankfully, we didn't get to the engagement or the marriage part. We just got kind of the, the dating stage with one another. He left his aviation leasing uh, role that he loved to come down and support me when he was about 27. And I think we both knew after about maybe six weeks that he just wasn't passionate about paper bags as much as he was about aeroplanes. And I don't believe that anybody should stay with, within a role if they're not at least 60% passionate about it. So he went back to aviation and um, believe it or believe it not, Carl, the ultimate decision was made by my dog. I've actually said this publicly before, and I, I, when it comes out of my mouth, I can't believe I'm saying it. But I have two contrarians, and that's terribly important to have them. But uh, one is my brother, and one was my non-executive director. Um, <laughs> and they're both con- constantly were saying to me, Vicky, you know, you need to think about selling the business. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you don't want, you need a work-life balance. You need, cause I, you know, I was working seven days a week. So what happened last October, not just gone, but the previous October was the October Bank Holiday Weekend. All my children were here, there and everywhere enjoying themselves, as were my friends. It was raining on the Saturday. And Vicky was outside in the garden with planks of timber, nails, saws, hammers, filling in holes to stop Teddy from getting out of the garden and being discovered down the shopping centre and the local desk. He always escaped. So I was filling the holes on our fence. And I just looked up to heaven. I said, Curtis, you know, really, this is your job. You should be doing this. And it was only that evening when I was having a glass of wine that the penny dropped that, okay, well, if he's not here to fix the fence, maybe he won't mind if I sell the company. And the realisation only then, after being in the company 18 years and, you know, 12 years on my own without Curtis, is that, Maybe he doesn't mind if we if we saw the bumper, but but I was doing it for him. I was doing it mm. for his father, mm. the second generation. I was yeah. doing it for the first generation, his grandfather, and yeah. So I said, I just said that's it. I'm going to do it. So I rang my non-exec director on Tuesday morning at half seven, and I said, Morris, I'm selling the company, and that is the true story. So imagine well, selling a company after 109 years because of a dog. And how emotional was it? Super emotional. It's still very emotional. It's still very new. I left JJO2 Limited on the 20th of December. I stayed on as a consultant for six months. And, you know, the company is very near me, so I was passed by a lot. But there's a lot of us woven into the fabrics of the wall. And the history of the company is incredible. One, Thankfully, that will always be there. So it takes a while to get used to new routine changing. But... In a very, it's very positive as well. I mean, you know, there's some things I don't miss, obviously. We know when you're running a business, the, the ownership of 
you know, making sure that everybody is looked after and everybody is happy, and, and that's why I did it. But, um, you know, I, mi- I miss parts of it, but I'm also excited that now I've got more time spent in my garden, which is a massive passion of mine. I'm mentoring um, three girls for the moment. I'm doing a lot of public speaking. Um, Tola Consultancy is going to have lots of different arms. I have a couple of ideas that I can't talk about yet. And I'm speaking to one or two people about doing non-executive directors. And at the time that the business was sold, how big had the company actually become, Vicky? Well, I was super proud, Carl. I mean, you know, numbers really meant nothing to me. And I know people think of success as, you know, in different ways. Success never meant turnovers and profits. And I just, success to me was just, you know, getting up in the morning, going in, doing your best, teamwork, people being happy. Simple as that. And, oh, sorry, and clients being super happy. But when I took over the company, um, the turnover had, you know, was diminishing. Um, it was five million. And when I finished, it was heading towards 15. And I, I, I left the company when it was doing its absolute best in 109 years. And <laughs> relief, let me tell you, but proud. I was proud. You left at its height. That's the way yeah. to do it, they say, isn't it? Yeah. So the timing was probably good. So I suppose we can thank Teddy. He must have known. <laughs> now I also want to speak to you of course today about International Women's Day something that's very close to your own heart and was yes. celebrated earlier this week so what did the day mean to you? The day meant a lot as it always does because it's so important to celebrate women obviously across the world and can I also say though that it's an important day but it, it, we need to improve we need to get better um, but we've come a long way I mean even since the the day I stepped into the company and it was very male orientated. It was 80% male, 20% female. And I had to <laughs> dump a lot of hurdles, I can tell you, um, for anybody to take me seriously. I would hear things like, you know, why aren't you at home minding the children for they should be in the office, you know, being the breadwinner. So hurtful. Um, but, you know, that was the mentality just 18 years ago. I think we have really moved on a lot and when I left, it was 60 versus 40% ladies. And you know what? It was nothing to do about men and women with me. It never is. It was about interviewing somebody who suited the role. You know, the proper skill set. So, it, like, you know, take, go back to JJ, my son, who was going to be the fourth generation, we thought. He only told me afterwards that he's colorblind. I mean, so he wouldn't have been very ideal you know, kind of selling packaging, you know, the difference between navy and black. But I'm lucky that I've got three daughters and two sons, so I, you know, I can see the differences between them. But also, when Fergus died, I promised myself that I would make sure that they were all 100% independent, just in case something happened to me. They were all given the same opportunities. They were lucky they all went to college, but I didn't care if they were what they ended up doing as long as they were happy. And it so happens that two of them are solicitors. One is an actuarian. They're all doing super well. Um, but I have, a, I have a son who's who's a solicitor. I have a daughter who's a solicitor. And if you go back hundreds of years, I mean, you know, like that would never have happened. So that is progress, isn't it? I mean... For sure. It, it, and I think it's all about the individual believing in themselves and 
So what, what actually is super interesting is that when I sold the company and I, I rang all our top clients and it only dawned to me afterwards that 90% of them were family businesses. And then it dawned after, on me very quickly after that that so many at the helm of those companies were women. Next generation women at that? Yes. You know, so we can do anything we want to do as long as we have that belief. And and I think we all need to, to everybody needs to understand that, like, we're all, everybody, we can all do it. Passion and hard work. If you have that combination, I think the world is their oyster, male or female. And of course, the theme of this year's International Women's Day was embrace equity. Do you mm-hmm. think that equity is still a problem in the business world? And if so, how can we tackle it? We can tackle it by supporting one another and, you know, embracing the next generation and, you know, I suppose carving a path for them. And, you know, as I was saying earlier that I'm, I, I'm, I'm mentoring younger females, amazing girls for the moment. And I think the thing that they struggle with for the moment is, you know, kind of having to look after, you know, looking after a family, you know, all the pressure, you know, kind of, and that is very difficult, and I acknowledge that. But I can think we can do both, but also we shouldn't feel guilty about it. I was at home, for, particularly for the elder children, all the time. And the younger children, I didn't see them as much as the older children. But can I tell you, there's no difference between any of them, except I think that, that they were encouraged more by seeing their mom at work. They, one of them told me recently they were super inspired by me. We can do that. But I think we need to tell them the warts and all that. It isn't easy. It is going to be difficult, but it is doable. And we need to support them. We need to support everybody, actually. And I, I, I think we need to support men as well. You know, I mean, women who are successful need to encourage. We all need to be sitting in the same room talking about this. You know, we really do. So that we can understand each other's problems. Because none of us are perfect. And Vicky, it seems to be the case that more women than men actually suffer from imposter syndrome. Yeah, it is. And I, I would be one of those, I think. And I need to have a chat with myself every now and again. And um, so even if you go back to JHO2 Limited, I, you know, I owned that company, Carl. I was the managing director there. Um, I never felt like either of those. I would go for a cup of coffee and I'd be thinking, okay, well, you shouldn't actually be having a cup of coffee. You should be back in the office. You should be, you know, it's just, I just felt that I, I don't know. Um, but I think that was me. I think that can be an individual thing as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a talk to each other about, in, honestly, spoke to each other about our fears and our worries and our challenges and how we've overcome them. You know, kind of quite tribish, if that makes a sense, that we all get together rather than, you know, you can hear people on podiums and they're telling each other how brilliant they are and their turnover is X, Y, and Z. It's about the problems and the challenges and then we can overcome them. So, you know, rather than looking at me as an entrepreneur of the year finalist and, you know, the struggles that I had to go through to get there. And actually, this is interesting. When I was selected as a finalist, they don't understand how I was. But I Googled up what an entrepreneur was. And an entrepreneur, simple way of learning this, is somebody who falls off a cliff and builds an airplane on the way down. And we all can do that. And it really is about, we look at things from the outside of the, you know, the four sides of the box, from the inside of the box and the outside. But we look at things in all different angles. But we never give up. And and that's what it's about. And, and 
well, there's nothing wrong with um, I don't think I don't think there's anybody that can't do that. And all we need letters after a name is you know C O P O N cop on, and we you know can be done. And Vicky, what has been your approach to solving problems over the years? Have you a particular strategy or a particular process for doing so? No, but I think when you've got like 100 problems a day, that you actually are resolving them without even knowing you're resolving them. But it's, yeah, I mean, give me a challenge. Um, I can usually, I, I don't think there's, most things we can, we can solve. Uh, and in our business, when we were, you know, customer centricity was the number, the key thing was, you know, I always instilled in my colleagues that, you know, if there is a problem we per client, we need to fix it and we need to fix it quickly. There's no point in hiding it. Just go and seek and you solve it. But yeah, I seem to be quite good at solving problems. I suppose maybe because, I, I don't know, I've got five children. I'm kind of used to it. And from your own perspective, Vicky, what women have inspired you over the course of your own career? So many women. Barfield, you know, I remember reading and watching programmes about the CEO of PepsiCo. Uh, I thought, what an amazing lady who was told she couldn't go to university, you know, because she was Indian and she did the other religion, etc. And look at her. To my two daughters, who really super inspire me since they lost their dad and how resilient they've been. To a local neighbour, Helen O'Donnell, who she knows, I just think that she should be President of Ireland next because she's such an extraordinary lady. Uh, so many women have inspired me, like incredibly inspired me. Um, particularly the women that get up in the morning, they do their best, they go home. And um, I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Irrespective of all the challenges that they face. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Vicky O'Toole from Tola Consultancy, and I'd like to thank Vicky for providing us with a fascinating insight into her own journey. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio.